For the past couple of years, we have been going through the first five books of the Bible. Um, And when PT returns, we'll be starting to look at Matthew. So we'll be starting to look at the Gospels. Um, So in the next couple of weeks, we're just going to do a couple of different themes. Um, But first of all, I just want to um, read to you a verse, um, a couple of verses found in Samuel. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15. We're just going to read a couple of verses. Uh, It won't be our main text for today. Um, but it's going to be my starting point for what we do. But before we get into that, um, let's just pray together, and then we'll get into the Word. So, Father, I thank you just for the opportunity to, to read your Word, to gather together, Lord. I thank you that you wrote a book, and that you desire to speak to us through it. Father, I thank you that Jesus is still alive. He is still at work, and he still speaks to his people today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to lay aside the things that would get in the way, the things that would distract us from hearing you. Lord, I pray that you would guide me and that the words that I say would be of you and from you. Father, may you speak so abundantly clearly to us today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. A couple of years ago, I came across this, uh, this, this kind of verse in the part of Scripture to give you a little bit of Backtrack, this is basically David, King David, and he is having, he's having to escape from Jerusalem. Absalom has risen up and is looking to take over, and David is, is having to escape from Jerusalem. And from verse 19, let's read these few verses. Then the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. For you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go, I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. Here David is, is on, <laughs> he's escaping with his people. And this man, Atai, he says to, David comes to Atai and says, why, 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 why are you following me? Why are you? Stay. Don't, don't follow me. I don't even know where I'm going. You've only just joined us. Why, why are you following? And this is Itai's response. Verse 21. But Itai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. Here a tie is like, look, wherever you go, for as long as you live, I will be there. I will go. I remember reading these words two years ago and being struck by how committed this guy was. How he was like, I'm going to follow my king to whatever end. And I'm like, Jesus is my king. Am I willing to follow him to whatever end he calls me? You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus became a man. He lived on this earth for about 30 years. He was only in the public eye for about three years in his ministry. And he went to a cross. He died on a cross. It was not by mistake. He was not caught off guard. He came for that one purpose, to die on a cross for the sins of the world. But it doesn't just stop there. He dies. He takes on the punishment that we deserved. For every wrong thing that we did, he took it upon himself. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again and now he calls us to follow him. And we see what happens. We see what happens 
when people meet a risen Jesus, people change. We see that a small group of disciples suddenly explodes into what, I think about it, today, 2,000 years later after this event, people across the world are still meeting and praising this name Jesus. This name Jesus is still going forth. And this is the question which comes to mind, because Jesus, he dies on the cross for our sins. And then he says, come. He says, come and follow me. But there's, there, there seems to be a problem. You see, so often there are things which get in the way of us following Jesus. Yeah? He calls us. I mean, he dies on the cross for our sins and he says, it's all paid for. Now follow me. And, and don't, get, don't get this wrong. You're not following me to try and earn this back because you can't earn it back. I've paid it all in full. Don't even try you can't earn this back. I think of my own parents, and I think at how ludicrous it would be for me to try and pay them back. I think of how much they have sacrificed for me daily before I was even born, how they have continually laid their lives down. I could not even account for how much they have given for me. It would be foolish, and I think even my parents would be disappointed if I tried to earn it back. But out of thanksgiving, out of a grateful heart, and out of a love for my parents, I lovingly serve them. And it's the same for us. Jesus has done so much more for us. And he says, look, you can't pay it back, but follow me. I want you to follow me. Lay down your life and follow me. Because in following, following, following me, following <laughs> you actually gain life. You actually find, actually know me more. And as you know me more your joy will grow and grow. But as I say, there's an issue, there's a problem. We often find ourselves, stuff gets in the way. Jesus gives the call and yet things get in the way. Things seem to stop us from answering that call. And as I said earlier on, the past few years we've been, we've been going chapter by chapter, verse through verse through the first five books. And think about it, for week after week we have, we have especially focused on Moses. And this week, I would like us to look back at the life of Moses because, you see, it's very easy to forget where it all began for Moses. That Moses wrestled with this as well. When God initially called Moses, he objects objection after objection after objection. And here... We find ourselves in that same place. God calls us, but we're like, no, I can't do this because of this, or because of this, or because of this. And as we kind of read, God continually and lovingly says, well, we'll find out what he says. But first of all, turn with me to Deuteronomy 34. And we read this a couple of weeks ago. Deuteronomy chapter 34. It's only a short chapter, so we'll read all of it. And I just want you to get a picture. This is the end of the story. This is the end of Moses' life. We have this absolute privilege that we get to see the beginning, the middle, and the end of people's lives in the scripture, yeah? But remember, (laughs) it's hard because we often forget that they didn't always see the end. That for them, there was, they lived it out. There was no sort of (laughs) looking, reading it and looking back. They, They were living it moment by moment, day by day, just like us. And this is what we read about the end of Moses' life. So please read with me. Found in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, and Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the south and the plain valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as all. Here the Lord meets Moses again on the mountain one last time. And then he says this, The Lord said to him, This land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I've caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, 
according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Porah, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. In verse 10, but since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all that great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Here we see the Lord brings Moses up on a mountain. He says, here's the land. Here's the land they're going into. You have led a nation out of captivity and you brought them onto the verge of the promised land and they are about to go in. But Moses' part in the story ends here. And as we look back, those last few verses when it says, but there's not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses. Moses was by no means perfect. But it is amazing to see how the Lord used him. You see, God called Moses. He called him. And then (laughs) he used him and he changed him. God calls people. He desires to use people and he desires to change people. Don't be mistaken. Moses was just like us. He was just like us. He had his objections. He had his fears. He has his doubts. And here, God is calling you and me to follow him. God desires to use us. And God desires to change us. So that to the point when we get to the end of our lives, we can look back and be like, wow, this is what God did. And it's amazing because it almost didn't happen. It almost didn't happen. Moses almost didn't go. Turn with me to Exodus 3. Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to start there. And here, as we go through this text, keep in mind this question. What is stopping you from following Jesus? Is it fear? Is it regret? Is it your your past sins, your present sins? Is it a feeling of inadequacy? Is it a love of, of comfort? What is stopping you from stepping out and following Jesus? And here, as we look at this chapter, there are a number of things, a number of objectives which Moses brings up, which so many of us wrestle with. But at each objection, the Lord continually, continually Respond, and we'll look at what that response is. So let's go from chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Once again, I love the symmetry. I love how the last account we we hear of Moses and God meeting with Moses on a mountain. And the first time God meets with Moses is also on a mountain. So here we see Moses. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Because a burning bush does not seem to, (laughs) it's not something which happens every day. Here we find Moses. And Moses, it's important to know that Moses, originally born a Hebrew and grew up in Egypt, and after killing somebody, he flees. He leaves. He begins a new life. 
And here we read it in the first few verses. He is tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Here we see Moses. He has a job. He's a shepherd. He has a job. He has a family, a wife, children. He's all settled down. He is not (laughs) ready. He is not expecting what God has in store for him. Not expecting what God has planned for him. You see, God interrupts our lives. He interrupts our comfortable situations. He interrupts what we think our plan is. I mean, think about it. Moses, when he woke up that morning, had no idea that God would be calling him. He had no vision that he would be used by God to liberate a captivated nation. Think about it. He just woke up. I'm just going to tend to my sheep. There is always that danger. And although we see in the rest of the text that Moses doesn't necessarily wrestle with this, but I'd imagine he would. I mean, think about it. Here he is comfortable. He has a job. He has a wife. He has children. God calls him out of that comfort zone. We don't specifically read about it in the following verses that that's something he struggled with, but it's often something we struggle with. Sometimes we love comfort more than the idea of stepping out and following Jesus. But here's the thing. We, we can... There are some things in this life that we just can't take with us. Actually, there's many things we can't take with us. And, and God continually has to remind us and remind me that what are you investing in? What are you investing your time in? Is it something which is temporary or something which is eternal? Sure, we could live a comfortable life, but we miss out on what God's doing. Think about it. Imagine. I imagine when Moses came to the end of his life, when he's on that mountain, and he thinks back to when God first called him on that other mountain. Imagine, I'd imagine going through his mind would be, what if I didn't say yes? <laughs> what if I had chosen that life of comfort as opposed to an uncertain life of following Jesus, of following God? What if I had chosen that? Yes, when Moses came to the end of his life, there was moments of failure, but there was moments of victory. And I imagine when he got to the end of his life, he looked back and he was like, it was worth it. When I get to the end of my life, I want to be like, man, I stepped out, I did it, I, I went for it. Yes, I fell, yes, I tripped, but it was worth it. I don't want to look back with regret. And then he continues on. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Listen, God calls Moses by name. God knows who Moses is. God knows who he is. Moses doesn't have to introduce himself. Moses isn't like, hey God, just in case you didn't know, my name's Moses and this is my history and this is my resume and this is what I've done. God knows everything about him, every intimate detail about him. God knows everything about you. He calls you by name. But listen, listen, listen. He calls you by name. He knows your past history. He knows what you've done. Moses' past was not a clean one. <laughs> I mean, think about it. When God called Moses, he knew what Moses had done. We read in the, in the previous chapter how Moses killed an Egyptian. We see that Moses, Moses sinned. Moses did wrong, and God knew that. And God still calls him. There are moments in our lives as Christians that we can be so focused on the sin that we've committed in the past that we're like, God can never use me. I am too far gone. I've done too much. Why would he use me? I've sinned too much. I've fallen too much. I've been too bad. He, He wants to use somebody else. Why would he use me? He doesn't want to use me. Every time that comes into your mind, I want you to think of one person. Because here's the thing, Jesus died for your sins, past, present, future. As soon as you accepted him, you are forgiven of your sin. And you become a new creation. Turn with me to Acts chapter 7. 
going to be going all over the place today. <laughs> Acts chapter 7. And here's a quick question. Who, except for Jesus, would you say, and this is kind of, there's no correct answer here, but, um, you know, just... In the New Testament, out of the past 2,000 years of Christian history, excluding Jesus, who would you say is the most influential person? The most influential person in Christianity for the past 2,000 years? Paul. Yeah? A general consensus. We would say Paul. Paul. Okay, so bear this in mind. The most influential, one of the most, or yeah, arguably the most influential person used by God was formerly called Saul. And read with me this. We'll go from verse 54. So Acts chapter 7, verse 54. And this is the account of Stephen. So this is Acts. This is straight after Jesus has died on a cross for our sins. He's risen again. He showed himself to the disciples. And he's ascended into heaven. And now the church explodes. And here we see of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And chapter 7, verse 54 says this. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. So this is, Stephen is before the religious leaders and here they, they are cut to the heart, but not in a good way, in a bad way. And here they become angry, but full, verse 55, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, this is Stephen, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And in 8 verse 1, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Here we see Saul. He is present and he is consenting in the murder of Stephen. And then he is, he is full on for persecuting the church. This man, Jesus used to grow the church. This man, Jesus used as a missionary. Think about it. The most unlikely of person, the one with the most, the most, <laughs> the most Cluttered and sinful and marred history was used by Jesus because when Jesus meets people, he creates new creations. He changes people. He changes this man who is full on for destroying the church to a man who is full on for growing the church. Listen to me. I don't know what your past sin is, but Jesus has forgiven it. If you've given your life to him, he's forgiven it. And now he wants to use you. He wants to use you and he wants to change you. Do not think you are beyond being used by God or being changed by God because of your past sin, because, or even because of your present sin. Jesus has paid for it all. Get back up. On Thursdays, we get to hang out with some guys um, at a rehab house down in Broccoli at U-Turn. And I remember sharing with them today, and it's, it's a phrase I've heard often by, by other people use is this, that God's grace is not just there for when you fall, but it's also there so you don't have to fall. That Jesus is there, yes, to forgive you when you do fall, but also to empower you by the Holy Spirit to live a life which is different, to live a life which is honouring to him. So here we see, as the Lord calls Moses, he's like, Moses, Moses, I know your past. I know your history. I still want to use you. I still want to change you. 
Now verse 5 says this. Actually, sorry, we'll go with verse 6. Verse 6 of Exodus 3, verse 6. Back to Exodus. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Here is the call. What a call. God comes to Moses and he said, Moses, I've heard the people. I want to bring them out and I'm going to use you to do it. Put yourself in that position. I mean, there is, there is no degree in liberating nations. There's no, there's no, I mean, you don't really get to get qualifications this or past experience. You see, God comes to him and he's like, he puts this amazing call. He's like, look, I want to do this through you. And this is Moses' initial response. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Here, Moses' first response is, Who am I? His response is, God, I'm not sure if you've got the right person for this. <laughs> I don't think you've got the right person for Jeremiah. Hold up, hold up. You want me to, to do this? His first response is one of fear, and often that is our response as well, right? God comes down, and he's like, I'm calling you to do this, or I'm calling you to become this. And our natural response is one of fear. I'm like, whoa, whoa um, uh, uh, I'm not sure, you, 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 do you know who I am? I'm, I'm a Moses. Um, you got, got the wrong guy. This is God's response. So he said, I will certainly be with you. God says, I will certainly be with you. Here, God says, when he puts an amazing call on our life, it comes with a promise. And that promise is, I will be with you. And then he goes on. I have sent you... When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You see, God comes and he's like, I know you're afraid. Combat that fear with this promise, with this truth, that I am with you. And we see this phrase throughout scripture. I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. And then this is how Moses responds. He says this. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Here, Moses, he's wanting the details. He's like, come on, give me the details. Okay, okay, if I do go, hypothetically speaking, what what do you want me to do? Uh, Okay, how's this going to work? I mean, what if they say this? What if they say this? And so often when God puts the call on our lives, we like Moses, like, God, uh, okay, how's this going to work out? Tell me, okay, how specifically is this? I want the details, God, okay. Uh, what do I say? When, uh, how do I come this? At uh, what time do I do this? At what time do I do this? And we see here, God gives him some of the details, but he doesn't give him all of it. When God calls us, he's not always going to give us everything. He's not going to give us every detail as what is going to happen. He's like, Daniel, I want you to do this. I want you to step out here. And he may be like, okay, I'm going to show you a bit of how I'm going to do that. I'm not going to show you everything. But bit by bit, I'm going to reveal it. Because to be honest, right, if we knew everything, we would just, we'd just do it about him. Just be like, okay, I've got this, I've got this bit, I've got this. But no, when we don't know everything, it means we have to daily come before him and be like, 
I know you're calling me this way. I know you're calling me to become this. I don't know the details. Teach me, show me. And then it becomes us walking with God as opposed to us walking and then every so often being like, okay, God, next, next, go. And then walking. But actually, it's step by step. It's day by day. And then this is God's response. He says, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Throughout this chapter, we'll see God reaffirming who he is. Moses has a doubt, and God comes back with that is, I am this, I am this, I will do this. Once again, God continually reaffirms who he is. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and of Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. Now listen to this. Listen to these next few verses. I want to see if you can notice a continual kind of theme going through this. So verse 17. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favour in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbour namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Here we see God, it's like, I will bring, I will stretch, I will give. God is like, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. When God calls us, there are two I wills. He calls us to do things which are beyond us, and this is what he says, I will be with you And number two, I will accomplish it through you. I will be with you and I will do things through you. I will use you. God's like, look, (laughs) it's me. I'm with you and I will work through you. You just need to accept the call. You just need to step out and follow. And then this is Moses' response again, chapter 4. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice, Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom and behold, it was returned like his other flesh. Then it will be if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Once again, Moses has another objection. And once again, God comes. He says, look, look. Look at what I can do. Look at the things I can do. Look at what I can do through you. It's me working through you. 
And in verse 10, then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Here Moses says, I'm inadequate. I don't feel that I'm strong enough or big enough to accomplish this task you've given me. God, I, you, you've got the wrong guy. I don't have the skills to this. I don't have, you've just got the wrong guy. I, I don't feel that I, I'm, I can do this. And this is what God's response is. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Once again, God comes and he's like, I will do it. God gives an extremely unusual prep talk. <laughs> because let's be honest, I am, uh, on, a, on a Friday I get to teach uh, kids, primary school kids, they're like six and, you know, six and seven. Um, and there's one girl especially, I teach her drum lessons like one to one. Her name's Izzy, and she's, she's a funny little girl actually. She's very, she's very, uh, very witty as girls at that age are. And there are moments where she's just like, I can't do it, I can't do it. I'm trying to show her, look, I need you to play this beat. Try and do this. Try and do this. And she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you kind of, you know. And my natural response is, of course you can do it. Come on, you can do it. You've got it in you. I love how when Moses comes to God and he's like, I can't do it. God's response isn't, you the man, Moses. You can do this. Come on, Moses. You got it, man. You got this. You got this. His response is, no, no, no. I know you can't do it, but I can do it. I know you're not strong enough, but I'm strong enough. Let me work through you. I know you feel inadequate. I know you don't feel up to the task. The truth is you're not, (laughs) but I am. We must always remember the one that calls us is far greater and far bigger than the call itself. He's like... I will be with you and I will do it through you. And this is what happens. Moses then replies again. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Moses is like, please, God, just send somebody else. Aren't we glad that God says no sometimes? Aren't we glad that God doesn't always answer our prayers as we want them to? Imagine that, right? Imagine if God at that point had been like, Okay, Moses, cool. Because the truth is, God could have used anybody. But he chose Moses. He wanted to use Moses. God, God had a story going on already. God had a big story. And God was going to accomplish that. And God's got a mission. And he's got a story. And it's ongoing. It's, it's, it's God's story begins before we show up. God's story begins before Moses shows up. God shows up on the scene and goes to Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I've already been at work. I've already got a story. Come and join my story. Come and be a part of what I'm doing. Stop trying to make, <laughs> make your own story. Aren't we tired of trying to make our own stories? Trying to make our lives seem better than they are. <laughs> you know, posting on Facebook the, the, the good pictures, but then forgetting all the bad pictures. <laughs> Trying to make ourselves seem like we've got it all together. Trying to, make, uh, make, trying to elevate ourselves about, above each other. Just making it all about us and about us. Truth is, it's just tiring and it's just ridiculous. It's like watching a movie and you see the main actor. Everybody wants to see the main actor. And it's like, you know, the guy, the extra in the back being like, well, hey, trying to jump into the picture, trying to get his showtime. It's like, no, 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 it's not about the extra. You're part of the story, yes, but... You're not the story. And how ridiculous is it that the extra, you know, if it were we watching the film, we just see the extra trying to, trying to get into all these shots and, you know, trying to, trying to get as much face time as possible. It's like, no, that's ridiculous. Because it's not about you. It's about the main characters, about the main story. The main story is about Jesus. He has a glorious story. Why would we try and be like, compete with our own story? It's ridiculous. He's eternal. I'm 25, well, 24. 
I mean, how would you is like, yeah, check out my story, God. Bam, 24 years. Mm. Look at your story. Oh, eternal. I, I, okay. God has a giant story and God invites us to be a part of it. And the question is, will we be a part of it? Will we accept that call? And this is how God continues on. So this is God's response. So the anger, so remember, Moses, once again, he's like, send somebody else. And God's like, so the anger, verse 14, of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people and he himself shall be as a mouth for you and you shall be to him as God and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Once again, I mean, God, this time, you know, he's, he's going to be agitating. I was like, come on, Moses. What more do I have to say to convince you to follow me? What more do I have to say to convince you to step out? Trust me, Moses. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be hard. But you're going to look back and you'll be like, man, it was worth it. It's the same for us. God's like, how much do I have to convince you to step out? Come on, step out. I will be with you. And I'm going to put other people around there to help you. Man, God doesn't cause us to do it alone. He calls us to be in fellowship. He calls us to be around other believers. He calls us to be used to bless others, encourage others, but also to be encouraged by others. That includes everybody in the church. That includes the pastor. That includes those who serve. That includes those who come regularly. That includes those who don't come so regularly. Everybody in the church, the body body of Christ, is called to minister to each other and to be ministered by each other. It's not just a one-man thing. It's not just a two-man thing. We are called to serve and walk alongside each other. And once again, the Lord reaffirms, I will be with you and I will teach you. As we kind of bring this to a close, here we see Moses had to be convinced into going. But as we look back at his life, I'm like, and I think he would say this as well, he'd be like, it was worth it. It was worth stepping out into the unknown, into the fear. It was worth following this God because I saw him do mighty things. And not just that, this is perhaps one of my favourite verses concerning Moses. And it's Exodus 33, verse 11. And it says this, 33, verse 11 in Exodus. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. For me, this is what sums up Moses' life for me. A man who spoke to God face to face. A man who speaks to him um, as a man speaks to his friend. Man, I want that to be said of me. I want to be that guy who who knows this Jesus and who speaks to him as a friend. And the truth is, it's only when we step out that we begin to know more of him, that we begin to see more of him. Moses' intimacy with God, imagine how, if he had stayed at home and not followed the call, he would never have had that intimacy with him, that level of intimacy, which we only experience when we step out. And let me encourage you and encourage us. Let us step out together. Man, I need this message as much as you guys. I need God to continually remind me, be like, hey Daniel, are you following me? Hey Daniel, step out. I'm calling you in this area, step out. Okay, 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 step out. But I'm scared, Lord, I'm scared. 
I will be with you and I will work through you. It's worth the risk. It's worth the cost. And then I just want to end just with the first few verses of Joshua. Because as we see, Moses' part in the story comes to an end. And, and as we've been the last few years, we've now come to the end of it. We've come to the end of the Torah, uh, and then we'll be looking to go into the New Testament. But I just want to read these first few verses. You see, Moses' story has come to an end. And now we see Joshua. Now Joshua is called. Now I want you to imagine, here is Joshua, and before him is a nation of thousands and upon thousands of people. A whole nation. Here's the nation, and there's the promised land. I mean, come on. Here's God, and he's like, Joshua, I'm calling you to do this. Man, imagine how Joshua's feeling. Like, he must have been. I mean, come on, think about it. Look before you, a whole nation, and it's your responsibility to lead them. Man, that is a call and a half. But this is what God says. and See if you can see the similarity. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river, of, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall nor depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you. Wherever you go. The call of Christ is going to look different in each of our lives. There are, some things, there are going to be many things with just similarities. There are going to be many things for which God calls us all to do. And then there are going to be specific things he calls each of us to do. I don't know what it is that he's called you to do. But let us step out into it together. With this promise that he will be with us and he will work through us so that we can look back and be like, remember that time? Yeah, I was afraid. (laughs) And you encouraged me and we we stepped out. Remember that time? I'm so glad God persisted persisted and persisted in trying to convince me to step out. It doesn't mean we'll be perfect, but man, we'll look back at life and be like, God did such amazing things. And I got to be a part of that. And some of those things, it's going to be, it's not just God calling us to do things, but it's also God calling us to be people. Don't, don't miss that as well. God used Moses, but God also changed Moses. So often we can be focused on the, we can, we can often unbalance things, as, as we always do. We can sometimes put too much emphasis in one area. Sometimes we put so much area in, God, where should I go? Should I be here? Should I be there? What job should I do? Should I marry this person? Should I do this? Should I do that? And we can sometimes miss that 
God is calling us to be people. He's calling us to be somebody, to be changed. Throughout Scripture, we see God calling us to this, to this, to this. Let's not forget that. Yes, it's important, the other aspect, the calling of where should we go and, and the how of it, but don't forget that God is all about changing people and it's all about you becoming more like him. That is our ultimate call. And let's be honest, we cannot do it on our own. The only way we can do it is by his grace. The only way we can do it is through him. But this is my encouragement to you. Whenever we face that doubt, remember this. That God says this, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the life of Moses. Lord, I thank you that you call ordinary people, broken people. You enter our lives and you offer us this this gift of salvation. You die on the cross for our sins and rise again on the third day. And it's not something we can earn. It's something we simply receive through faith. That when we put our faith and our trust in you and the finished work of Jesus Christ, we receive that gift of forgiveness. But I thank you, Lord, that it just doesn't stop there. You don't just leave us until eternity. But actually, you desire to walk with us daily. You desire to be with us daily. You call us each by name with the desire to use us and to change us. Father, we lift up those things which get in the way, which stop us from following you. And Father, we pray that you would take those away, that you would break those down. Give us the boldness and the courage to step out when you call so that we, like Itai with David, can be like with you, King Jesus, and say to you, King Jesus, that wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever you do, I'll do. I will follow. So, Father, as we go, may you continue to speak to us and highlight the areas where we need to step out. But then also reaffirm the areas in which you're like, where you've already been at work. Let's not forget that, that as we look back, (laughs) that yes, there's much more changing to be done in us, but God has already done so much. Father, I thank you that you would even call us to invite us to be a part of your story. And this is my prayer. Help us to step out and follow with this promise that you will be with us and you will work through us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.